Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We are happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams, and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. In this episode of the Software People Stories, I, Chitra, am in conversation with Hima Patel, Research Manager at IBM Research Labs. Hima shares several interesting stories in the world of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and data science, from where it began with a book for her, to creating mood enhancers with like-minded friends, to experiences across companies like GE Research and Shell to help solve business problems between data scientists and domain experts, managing turbines, assessing credit rating and physicians. She also shares a message for young aspirants. Listen on. Hi, Hima. A very warm welcome to you to the Software People Stories podcast. I now hand over the mic to you so that we can hear your introduction. Uh, I work uh, currently with IBM Research. Uh, my current role is that of a research manager. I lead a group of uh, uh, 12 researchers. Uh, we work in the space of AI, machine learning, natural language processing, right? And uh, one of the strong things uh, that uh, I have carried with me as a researcher throughout my career is I've been very passionate about, you know, working in areas or doing research in areas Wherein, you know, I can really go and impact uh, the business uh, products or the business that we are, that, you know, that the company is working for or, or, or the related business uh, for that company. So that's, uh, that's uh, you know, a short introduction about me. Thanks, Hiba. How did this journey into the space of artificial intelligence and data analytics begin? Where did it all start? So it's a very interesting story, right? And we uh, and and a good one, which I which I like to recall because this is also very close to my heart, right? I was in my I was doing my bachelor's of engineering in computer science, and uh, this was roughly in our third year, where you know everybody starts thinking that, uh, hey, you know, what are the kind of jobs that are available in the market, and you know what are the kind of you know really hard technologies around which the jobs are aligned and all of this, right? And, you know, uh, you know, I was also part of some of these conversations. Uh, but I always was also very, as, as, as fairly good at, you know, my grades uh, and so on. But I was also, you know, a curious type of a person, right? You know, I would sit in the lab for hours and hours, you know, try to get something working. And, you know, I've done my share of those kind of experiments as well, right? So for me, uh, the whole journey for artificial intelligence, it began when uh, uh, I, I had a professor uh, in my college, uh, Professor uh, Gosavi, and uh, he used to teach us a course that was electromagnetics. So 
slightly uh, different but uh, you know uh, i once went to him uh, you know to talk something about electromagnetics and uh, he his office was you know full of books you know at all places and ideas that were going on in his head and you know like a, it was uh, you know it it was it was a very interesting space right his office and i and i went and i spoke to him about you know whatever i had to speak about electromagnetics and and then he said you know what um, he handed me this book which was introduction to artificial neural networks and he said you know maybe you should read this i think you'll like it and then i said okay you know so i i really had no idea what it was uh, but i said okay cool me read this right and um, uh, i had a good friend you know somebody like me who would you know like to think a little bit you know of like wild ideas or wacky ideas of what all can we do and you know things like that uh, this is really just you know hard discussions but i had a good friend and i said you know i went to him and said you know hey you know i got this book and you know professor gosavi thinks that you know i should read it and and it just happened that you know uh, i think we both got into that journey of reading about artificial neural networks and you know how it was inspired uh, you know from the biological uh, you know human brain and which was still a far connection but the motivation was very strong and then you know the whole idea of making you know something intelligent right i think that was like a spark like i mean it it i just felt like oh my god now i have wings right like everything that i can see around me you know i was thinking how can i make this intelligent right and then you know we it took time to read through the math of it and understand it a little bit and and then we were still you know still understanding we really didn't know what sort of a use case will apply to because uh, we really did not have uh, all the necessary skills you we were just learning uh, and we would think that hey you know at a high level hey you know can i make my washing machines intelligent right and that would be there and we would like think like hey you know it was so cool you know if your washing machines can decide you know how much it needs uh how much how much dirt is there and you know how, how can it decide those things intelligently so we were at that level but we didn't really know how we would implement things like this but this was like really you know uh let's have wish ideas right you know like you know how nice you know it, if we could do something like that right and we were in that stage and then uh, we had the semester break uh, and we you know went back to our houses etc and uh, there was this one one evening where i was uh, sort of alone at home i was just sitting you know at my desk thinking something you know reading you know actually studying for the exams thinking something and uh, there's nobody else in the house and you know so it was getting a little bit dark etc and i was thinking that you know what if you're alone at home and if you're feeling sad uh, or something like that or if you come in from outside and if you're having a tough day and if there's nobody at home with you like who can help you cheer up your mood or what can you do or can intelligence do something here and that was the you know genesis and you know i called up my friend and said hey you know wouldn't it be cool if we could do something like that i come home after you know a tired day at work and then can the ambience of my house change based on you know if i'm like in a happy mood right i'm smiling you know can i you know maybe like some cool lively music starts playing up or if i'm if i'm feeling little tired or little down and maybe you know soft lights or whatever and this could really be you know customized based on what people what works for every person but i think we you know so we were at that level and we and then we thought that okay you know this sounds good 
you know, let's convert this into our final year project, right? And then we said, and that's where, you know, we said that, okay, we will try to build a system like this for our final year project. And, uh, and we, and, and I can, you know, say this openly now that we were really very naive to say, you know, we can find out the human mood, which by itself, now I understand that it's a much, much more complex thing. But basically, I think at that time when we said mood, we basically meant the facial expressions. And then we realized, okay, so there was this whole, you know, field of work called image processing. So, so we basically took extra courses, so we were spending our own time in the library, reading up on image processing, trying to understand, um, you know, and then, okay, we got some ideas that, hey, you know, we will build, uh, you know, try to analyze images and, you know, partition an image into happy, sad, uh, or, a, or a normal normal face kind of thing, right? And then, then we thought, okay, so where will we get these faces, right? I mean, where will we get these images? And, you know, we, we, so we really went and went around and asked our friends, can you please help us? You know, we really need to get started on this. So we had, you know, our friends helping us out. We were taking pictures of our friends and uh, we were asking them to give different expressions. And people were, you know, people were very, very nice. People were giving us all these uh, wide range of expressions. And, and so that's how we basically created our first uh, data set. And, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun because we were looking at images of our friends. We were, you know, these were people who we liked, who we used to hang around with. So this never uh, felt like, you know, work because even though we were like, really toiling, really spending long, long hours in the lab uh, at a stretch, but it never just felt like it, right? And the other joy with this whole thing of image processing was that, you know, you write a piece of code and you can see it on the image change, right? So we were trying to uh, do something to the face and it would show up on the image. And that was like, wow, I do something and I can see the instant result of it. So that was like, you know, a, a very big, factor of you know excitement to say so this whole project and and then then i think uh, then we learned a little bit uh, then we said okay you know we we there are actually you know data sets that people have spent time uh, collecting making proper professional data sets so we moved on to those and uh, this was really our um, final year project and then and and you know that's that's what really got me going into this whole field of machine learning and and it gave me the confidence that, you know, of all the wacky things that we were thinking about, you know, turning everything around, uh, you know, us intelligent. Uh, now, here was one place where we've really gone deep and it got the confidence that, you know, yeah, this is doable, right? This is not just, you know, wacky ideas that we are writing in our notebooks. And also, I think it's uh, somewhere in my head, it, uh, it just gave me a, I was for some reason very, very sure that this is the place where I want to, you know, this is the area of work where I want to build a career. Um, I had no idea how it would be done. I had no idea where I will get a job. I had no idea how I'll make a living. I think those things were just not coming into my head. I think I was just thinking that, oh, this is great. I like doing this. I'm having so much fun. I want to do this the rest of my life. Uh, long answer to a short question, but uh, this is how it all started, Chitra. That's a fascinating wild ride, Hiba. Thanks so much for walking me through your dreams. Actually, trying to figure out a way to make it all work. And you've had so much fun along the way. Amazing. Simply amazing. So thanks so much. 
you know, you spoke a bit about software, writing software, and while you were taking all those pictures and to make your program work or to make bring your idea to life. So yeah. I have a question in my mind. How do mm -hmm. research and software sort of complement each other? I think they're like, you know, uh, they're really partners in crime, right? You really cannot do very good research if you don't have uh, good software skills. And let me explain by that what I mean, right? Uh, right from the days when we were, you know, when I was in college to the time I worked as a researcher in various labs, even to my current role where now I'm leading a team. Uh, one thing that the general rule, right, for doing research is to say, hey, you know, have a, you have an idea. You want to first try it out as soon as possible because, you know, in your head, even though, you know, you've really thought through all of it, uh, it may just not work, right? So having good software skills or good skills to quickly convert your idea and test it out is extremely essential because uh, a lot of times the researchers are on this thought process, right? So I tried this out, it doesn't work, okay. And then, you know, I'm continuing on the thought process and then and adding to the idea or modifying the idea. And, and that's that's how that whole cycle works, right? And and if you don't have good skills in the space to implement your ideas, um, then you, you lose that thought process, right? For instance, uh, we try something and then let's say there are, uh, you cannot make progress on the software side for a week and then, you know, uh, and then the, the, the thought process, uh, I think, breaks down. So that's, uh, that's one thing. And also, you are delayed, right? You, you, you cannot make... So, so there is this difference, right, between invention and innovation, right? And innovation is to say, uh, I had an idea. I, 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 you know, I tried it out. I'm going to implement, put it into practice, and actually getting it work, right? So the whole journey from getting an idea to getting something working is really a journey. It's never a one-step process. Hardly, you know, there are situations where you said, hey, this is an idea and, you know, it just solves your problem. It almost never does. But the whole point is to, you know, get an idea, uh, make some progress, understand, see why it did not work, you know, add on to your idea, modify the idea, you know, brainstorm with the, some other colleagues and so on. But to do all of that, Having good software skills, having good implementation skills is, is a must because without which, you know, without which you'll feel stranded, you know, you won't be able to make progress, at least in the research of, you know, computer science space. Uh, this is not true for research uh, across all fields of work, but very true for at least this whole space of artificial intelligence or any kind of computer science research, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point, given the fact that, you know, the basis of a lot of artificial intelligence stems from data and one's ability to analyze it or at least see what the data has. And given the right. reams of data and heterogeneous data that's coming in from all directions today, uh, I think your right. point is very fair that one needs to have at least some idea about how to process that data so it begins to make sense, isn't it? Yes, that's right. You know, even to understand what's there in the data, right? Uh, which which we you know call as exploratory data analysis. Let us say you know we get a data set uh, and we say that hey, you know, I think you know we want to do a classification kind of a task on this data set. But do I understand what are the challenges with this data set, right? 
So to even do this basic exploration of, you know, what my data looks like, where do I have noise in the data? Where do I have, you know, where is my data less? Uh, do I have, you know, what do I need to do to my data so that my classifier will learn it well, right? So all of that does require a definite, you know, strong implementation skills. One thought that's coming to my mind, you know, for a very long time, data was sort of analyzed in isolation. I mean, every company was doing its own analysis because they mm -hmm. were capturing data for their own purposes. But when you look at the larger scheme of things, right, do you at some point in time see data being federated? I know it's happening in bits and pieces. It's beginning to happen. But where is this whole collaboration or federation of data headed towards? What can it do? What can it potentially do? Uh, so let me give you an example, right? Uh, uh, data in silos and federated data, right? Where data from different parts of the company is brought together, you know, using either via data lakes or somebody might just do it via, you know, just building a data mart that is or a data warehouse that, you know, they care about. Right. Uh, I think it is uh, there is a there is a lot of value in putting all the data that you have together because then you are getting you know many different perspectives about the process that was used to generate the data, which which basically means that uh, you know these are different processes in different parts of the company. Now you are bringing them together, right? So the the value of the insights that you can bring out of that data is is much much higher than you know you would have looked at data in isolation so how in your experience has all of this come together hima right so so let me let me give an example right so in one of my engagements um, I, I can actually think of two examples where we you know brought in data from different sources Right. In one of the engagements, this was uh, really, you know, data which was stored in tables. And this was data coming out of, for, a, for a specific process where which said that, hey, you know, uh, you know, so many transactions were done uh, for, uh, you know, for a given company or so many transactions for, were done for, uh, for a given type of a product, etc. Now, the point was that, all the data was stored, you know, differently. So the data for products was stored differently. Data for customers was stored differently. Data for, you know, data for of uh, of how 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 the transaction took place was stored differently. And if you want to, you know, look at all of them together and say that for a given store, you know, what were uh, where were you know my high points in the sales? Where were my low points? Uh, you know, this kind of data. Uh, was very very useful. So uh, so Chitra, uh, I'm 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 going to take a different shot at this uh, because you know I cannot obviously talk about you know specifics of the first use case. It might seem very general, right? So I'm just going to take a different use case. But okay, so here's a here's an example. During my uh, tenure at Shell, I was working with Shell Research. And I was looking at, uh, you know, data which is captured from equipments. So these are rotating equipments, which are of the likes of, you know, turbines and compressors, etc. Let's assume that, you know, so 
uh, so where does the data come from for an equipment so there are a large number of sensors which are uh, you know placed on this equipment to measure you know a large amount variety of measures for for an for a given equipment right that could range from uh, vibrations to uh, like vibration in the x direction vibration in the y direction speed so there are there are some measures which are you know related to the health of the equipment there are some measures which are related to how well is the equipment functioning you know for the job it's supposed to do etc etc right now and this is for one given equipment now each given equipment has you know a bunch of subsystems into it and each subsystem has a bunch of sensors associated with it you know just for the sake of the example let us say if this data with each subsystem is stored differently right uh, then you just get a sense of that subsystem but uh, when we were looking into this you know when i was doing some kind of analysis uh, on this i was doing a project where we were trying to say can i find uh, anomalies in this data right and then for an anomaly to be detected and to make a claim that you know there is really something wrong with this equipment one really has to look through you know data for all the subsystems and say ah i think you know maybe this is you know this part of this sensor from subsystem a is going wild which is affecting uh, perhaps you know a different sensor which is perhaps affecting a different part of the equipment which is reflected in the sensor uh, readings and 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 that's how you know that you know now uh there is some understanding of what's really happening with the equipment right and and i'll tell you why this whole thing with uh, is important because uh, these are equipments which stopping this equipments basically has uh, you know a large large uh, cost uh, to the plant uh, where the equipment is installed which means uh, having a false positive of saying that hey you know we think there's something wrong with the equipment but if there's really nothing wrong then i think that's a, that's a that's a huge cost to the company so that's not a mistake that you know you can afford to make but you can all but you also you know want to find these problems well ahead of time so that the equipment doesn't completely shut off right so you want to detect the problems as they are occurring uh, so that you know maintenance for it can be planned or 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 you know a variety of things can be done if you if you know that hey this equipment is going to die down and you know another five days but you, but you need to know that with certainty right and uh, and 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 how do you know this with certainty right so so engineers who work with this equipments day in and day out they really understand the workings of this whole equipment and they would say hey you know i know because because there might be some jam in the uh, in the lube oil uh, place and which is why i think the pressure is not getting relieved properly and maybe this is why you know this equipment is in is in trouble right uh, so that is how they would you know look at all of this but obviously you know there are there were like you know thousands and thousands of equipment so each engineer uh, just doesn't have the bandwidth to look at it properly right but uh, the whole point being of you know we were looking at data from this subsystems and we were able to then you know explain to the engineer and say that uh, explain in in an analytics fashion that i think there's a problem with this equipment and i think there's a problem because this 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 sensors you know they're not behaving the way they are supposed to behave right and and an engineer can look at that and you know he would really know in his head that 
oh yeah that's right i know this problem you know this can be you know related to this problem and and, and maybe you know this is a little bit of oversimplification of what the actual process is but i'm just trying to give an example that in this scenario we were really pulling up data from different subsystems to add together because the equipment as a whole you know is is one entity and you want to detect something about this equipment as a whole right and and this could be you know this could be generalized across uh, to different things for example you could uh, let us say you know uh, in an organization if you are collecting data let us say a simple example right you know uh, should i give loan to this person or not and that decision is made on like you know 10 different factors right what was the credit history etc right things like that now each of these factors right like, what was the credit history what is this person's salary you know what is this person's uh, you know what is the family thing you know how much uh, how much money do they have in various forms or how much assets do they really have all of these kind of uh, these are the you know some example factors that could be used to make a decision like this and if you think about it all of these kind of factors are you know captured really by different processes right so this uh, the salary is captured really from a different process what is the credit history is captured from a completely different process in the firm right and if only if you can bring all of this together you know you really have the holistic information about this individual and and if you have holistic information the more the information you have the more you know well formed decisions a machine or an ai system can make right so uh, does that does that answer your question chitra yes it certainly does in fact uh, when you were describing this whole thing i was just thinking it's it's so much like our human bodies we are a system and then yes. there are systems and then there are sub subsystems yes and we have diagnostics and procedures that perhaps are looking at one system in isolation and then it's almost like you know you zoom in and then you zoom out there's data helping you all along the way to to either take the right decisions or you know prescribe the right kind of treatment very nice uh, hima very nicely put so one question that's coming to my mind is and when you talked about translating the language of data to help mm -hmm. engineers in the example that you described uh, yes is that pose a challenge to let's say uh, data scientists or researchers and this could probably stem from my assumption that you know a lot of the data scientists and researchers look at data and interpret it in that language in their language whereas people on the ground who can make use of these insights or benefit from them need to know those insights in a way that they can assimilate it how do yes. you take up that challenge and how do you solve this kind of a problem right so uh, i mean uh, the answer to this question chitra is that a data scientist has to work hand in hand with a domain expert right there is uh, really there's really no two ways about it because a data scientist without understanding the broader picture without understanding the business goals cannot really you know give the value that a domain expert would look for right and a domain expert without sharing his uh, understanding of so there are lots of you know tips and bits that a domain expert can help a data scientist and say hey you know uh, even though maybe uh, sensors uh, data from these two sensors you know 
almost always go together but you know really in the physical world there's no meaning to it so you shouldn't really look more into it right you know you should not uh, over emphasize that that behavior that you see in the data so these kind of insights uh, that are are the ones that uh, the domain experts can give right and again uh, to your point right to for the domain expert to be able to use the models well the the, the data scientist one has to build a model in a way that uh, really solves the business problem so that's one and the second thing is uh, this and this has been you know uh, more and more growing trend where we are saying that so there is a concept called explainability of machine learning models right of uh, of why we are saying you know of of a decision that or if if a classifier is making a decision for you or it's suggesting a, a decision that maybe you know in this scenario you should do this then you know what's what are certain you know what are certain things in the data that the classifier sees based on which you know it it wants to you know make that decision and having it open with the domain expert has uh, several advantages right i think it builds uh, you know the domain experts uh, trust onto the system right because like i said right you know sometimes the cost of going wrong is very very high so in the end for the system the kind of system that i talked about for uh, to say that hey you know there's something really going wrong with this equipment we should you know investigate that to investigate that would mean you know that equipment has to be you know brought down for you know a certain hours or you know something has to be planned in the maintenance window or or whatever is the best that can be done which basically needs that a that a domain expert who's on the field has to sign off on it uh, sign off on it and say hey you know i agree i think we should investigate that right and for that to happen that domain expert really needs to have a lot of trust on your system and that trust can come only you know when you know either historically you know they've really used your model for a long time and they know that you know it almost never goes wrong so so that's one kind of a trust you know where you know you do a lot of validations and you gain trust of the domain expert and the other way of gaining trust is to say hey you know i'll try to explain you know some of the decisions that the model is making which gives more holistic information to the domain expert and say ah i see you know you are saying that it it should be stopped but you know this is really a small problem you know from my experience as a domain expert i can say that you know machines can live with problems like this for years and years without causing too much wear and tear so i'm going to take a decision that maybe i don't need to stop the equipment at this point of time right so 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 this is this is really a hand in hand story right i think uh, data scientists cannot work in isolation without understanding the bigger picture and 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 to to you know to to put you know to give you some more examples of what we mean by this right you know i want to take example of when so i i spent a lot of years at uh, g and uh, many of my years were within g research and when we were working at g research we had a very experienced radiologist who would come to our lab uh, you know once a week and and we would really sit with him and say you know this is how we are thinking about solving the problem and you know what's your thought you know we would really bounce off ideas of him or or he would say you know yeah perhaps you know you could you could take advantage of you know this kind of facts about the human body right right uh, so i think uh, the whole point that you know we had uh, an experienced radiologist spending one full day with us you know 
every week by itself uh, is uh, i think brings the point that you know the a domain experts view in building you know a system uh, or working hand in hand with data scientists uh, you know is extremely extremely important right and and to add on to that right for example when i was working at shell research on this whole equipment i i think the whole thing was hand in hand you know with working very very closely with um rotating equipment engineers who would you know uh, where i would i would say hey you know here is what i think is happening in the data and they they would try to explain to me from a machine perspective and and say that you know oh but you know these are kind of things that we really don't care about so maybe perhaps you could use this cues that we already know about the machine so that you know such alarms will not be raised right in in all my engagements or in all my projects that i worked with we have had a very very close collaboration with uh, domain experts uh, you know while we were building any kind of systems very nice examples hima this relates to you know how one can truly solve problems where it's really going to benefit somebody so this is almost directly working with customers in some sense yes yes it is you can say that right so i have a question on a totally different topic now and i know that you are now a research manager and mm-hmm. you're leading a team of people so yes. what is it that you do as a research manager and you know how do you keep your team focused or motivated with respect to you know whatever you it is that you are researching uh, so so that's a very interesting question chitra and also i think very pertinent uh, uh, with respect to research because uh, often you are in you know situations where you want to try out something and and you know things may not work out so it can cause in some kind of uh, frustration sometimes in uh, you know uh, team members that uh, hey you know maybe we are just on a completely off path right uh, the second kind of uh, challenge that really happens within research is uh, typically you know we working with uh, you know or trying to develop something to say you know help a business product or or at least that's the long term vision right and and sometimes you know people really spend uh, you know a large amount of time trying to work on something you know put in a lot of hard work can actually get something to work but you know by the time we are done with that you know the business priority has changed and then you know it's no longer really important to us uh, really important to the business which means uh, you know great technical work done but we didn't see a real world impact out of it right uh, so I, i think these are i think two challenges that i think any research manager faces uh, and keeping your team motivated out of it uh, is 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 definitely it's it's definitely an interesting problem right if i have to look at it from the lens of a researcher couple of things that uh, you know i think uh, that i've seen other people do well uh, some of the things that i try to do well is uh, one is to say that you know uh, i get uh, you know at least make or try to bring in diverse set of people together right or people who i think can you know bring in different viewpoints which i think works well because uh, at any point of time if it feels like there is some kind of stagnation that's happening in the project or people feel stuck then you know there's if you really have a diverse team or people from different backgrounds or, or diversity could mean anything here it really helps because uh you know a lot of research work could just be where somebody just you know throws up a line and say hey you know 
how about we try something like this right and we just need that one person to say you know a high level idea of how about we try something like this because more often than not the others in the team can say okay you know maybe this makes sense uh, perhaps you know how about you know adding this to this right or maybe this is how we can you know actually implement this right and and that starts the whole you know string of conversations which can lead to several directions right so that uh, that i think is one thing uh, uh, and in general i feel i think very important for researchers to talk to each other bounce off ideas and uh, you know get inputs from their colleagues um the other thing is uh, is is where i try to tell my team members also try to and try to see whatever we can do at a management level but try to tell team members that you know it's very very important to be focused on the technical problem uh that we are solving and uh uh if not today business priorities things that are really not in your control i think you shouldn't worry about it too much uh, but whatever is in your control i think you should try to do the best job of it and not to give up right which means that you know things turn around in a in a tight right so if uh, if there's good solid technical work that's done maybe in a in a slightly different way of positioning it maybe in a slightly different way of thinking about it or maybe you know within 6 months you know again the business priorities change so it will find its way into you know it will find its way into real world impact it may not happen instantly but having that patience uh, pays off so that's my two cents about you know some of these challenges that i think are, are maybe a little bit unique to the research world i was almost thinking that you know maybe you land up developing a mood enhancer for your team what say <laughs> now i think you know i have uh, i have uh, i have some gray hairs now so i can say that you know i've <laughs> while that whole idea was was very good at the start i i know we were very naive at that point of time but uh, but yeah a good thought <laughs> who knows you know some of the craziest researchers have had lots of gray hair and even wilder dreams so you never know yes you know we should always keep the possibilities open yes i have so many questions to ask you i am sure we will have many more conversations and i hope many more podcasts what mm-hmm. is one message that you'd like to leave our listeners with one thing that's really helped me uh Uh, throughout my career was uh, uh really just believe in yourself right and and uh, uh if you believe in yourself uh, then things have a way of figuring out automatically and it it seems like a little bit it does seem like you know very it seems like at a very high level but i i, I genuinely believe in this right one is to stick to your passion and you should have fun in doing what you're doing because we spend you know a large amount of time at our workplaces so if you are having fun the work that you are doing you are basically just really enjoying your life all all the time right so that's one and second is uh, have this you know believe in yourself and don't give up uh, if you don't give up you know i think your mind has a way of figuring out things giving ideas of you know how you can proceed further in that direction and it almost you know and it works out but you you should have that belief in yourself like pure 100% belief right without without having like a doubt oh you know so no no star star no conditions of like pure belief in yourself and and i think your mind figures out ways of you know how to 
how to how to achieve you know whatever you've been thinking around right so so i'll give an example around this um i finished uh, i finished my bachelor's uh, at that time you know we had campus placements and most of the jobs were software companies right and then we at that time i thought no you know i i need to study about about this whole artificial intelligence thing a little bit more so i took up my you know master's course and when i finished my master's course i worked in this area for 2 years and again uh, i had i had, i think i had about 2 to 3 software jobs and uh, but they were really not in the field of artificial intelligence and in my head it just felt that uh, yeah this was great but this is not what i want to do so you know i just kept on looking and then through a very you know via via mail you know i got Uh, i got to hear about this small startup in bangalore you know who was hiring interns at that time right uh, and i thought okay cool you know let me just apply let me see what happens right and and they took an interview and and i really liked that whole interview because they asked me really good technical questions in the area that i was really passionate about and then i got the internship and now i'm in the situation with job offers versus an internship uh big difference in the pay scale uh no stability etc right and and you can imagine the kind of conversations i was having with people around me and and where i am thinking that you know maybe i should take up this internship and uh, everybody else is saying you know really you know what's wrong with you you know you, you know right this is not a stable thing what will you do after the internship you know what if they don't convert you you know those kind of questions And, uh, and and i don't know i'm thinking that uh, i don't know we will we'll figure out something right and uh, and uh, and this is not this is not one of those uh, you know fairy tale stories where you know i joined this place and you know i get converted into an employee i i joined this place i work here uh, you know i make a good rapport with the folks in the startup and uh, and they have you know some kind of a hiring freeze right so they really cannot hire me and uh, the manager at that point of time tells me that hey you know uh, if you are willing to wait for 6 months i can hire you in another 6 months and i'm like you know i'm thinking i can't really you know sit idle in the house for 6 months so i was really on the road at you know at some point of time and then and i took up a different job with a different startup uh, which is doing really fabulous work fantastic people you know uh, i you know i was really uh in of my manager at that startup you know i learned a lot of things from him but it wasn't what i wanted to do right so after you know i was i used to have this feeling every day you know this is this cool but you know this is this not what i wanted to do right and 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 this just keeps on going on in my head and uh, and i'm i'm talking to a few friends and you know somewhere via the network uh, somebody tells me you know there's a there's a job, a job opening in ji healthcare which is who's looking for people in image processing machine learning skills i i had no idea company like ji was doing anything in that space right and then you know i apply i get the job right the the, the minute i hear about it you know I, i had made up my mind you know what soever happens i really have to get this job and i get the job and from there you know i figured out you know you know how to make my journey in this space right so not to brag but i uh, but i genuinely very strongly feel that uh, uh, if you stick to your passion if you don't give up uh, then i think you know life has a way about you know or your mind has a way of you know giving directions and opportunities or uh, you know telling you how to make opportunities which which can eventually lead to what you really want right 
and and in the midst of all of this that i told you there there like you know there's several other things that i was trying to do at that time which did not work out so which is where i go back to the whole point of you know not to give up not to lose hope because um, apart from you know before receiving the ji healthcare job interview uh, there were many many other things that i really tried doing and 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 obviously not, none of them worked but uh, but i think you know you learn a little bit from everything and then i think if you keep at it i think eventually there 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 comes a place where you know things just you know you're the stars align and things just work out i think that's a fabulous message especially for youngsters uh, hima thank you so much that was so meaningful and so practical and again a uh, yet another wonderful story to wind up this podcast with thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you thank you so much chitra thank you for having me as a guest on your podcast i've had a very great time you know very good time talking to you also reminding myself of some of the things you know which i have forgotten perhaps this is a i'm telling these things to myself of you know shake off the rusty bits and remember you know what you were doing earlier and you know try to bring it back into your life again that's wonderful thank you hima thank you thank you so much chitra If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com there is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com please rate the show on podchaser stitcher iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show do write to us at this email address podcasts@pm-powerconsulting.com